Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Media. Welcome to Nick It Happened Here, a show that is about a number of... I really should have done an actual intro for this one. This is embarrassing. Um, I'm your host, Mia Wong. Uh, with me is Shireen and James. Hello, Hello. Mia. Hello, Mia. That was great. I thought that was actually great. Mm-hmm. You should I, yeah. keep them guessing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They never know what they're going to get. Will it be sad? Will it be happy? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. this is a this is a uh, this is a really sad episode. This is an episode that I got really pissed off while writing. Yeah, and this is an episode about Palestine. Now, most of the attention on Palestine right now has been focused on Gaza for you know very obvious reasons. Um, Gaza is the place where you know most of most of the Israeli offensive is happening. It's where most of the people are the Israelis are killing the most people. Uh, but, however, comma, there's also been a bunch of killing going on in the West Bank. And this is, you know, the 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 murders of Palestinians in the West Bank is stuff that, you know, it's been intensified by the current conflict. But this is stuff that's been happening even before, like, the, this latest round of stuff started. Since the beginning of the year, Israeli settlers and government forces have killed several hundred Palestinians in the West Bank. And I think in a lot of ways, the dynamics of the entire Israeli project are clearer in the West Bank than they are anywhere else, which is a bold statement that I I will concede. (laughs) But I think by the end of this, we'll see if I'm right. I think you're I think you're right in the sense that, like, the systems of apartheid are very clear in the West Bank versus other parts of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the violent dynamic of Israeli 
the, the Israeli project is pretty fucking evident when they're bombing children yeah. in Gaza too. Yeah. Like it's, it's yeah, but I think I, I think specifically the the part that's easiest to understand in the West Bank is why it's why it's a mutually self reinforcing dynamic. Or why mm-hmm. why the why the settler project keeps like has been building the way that it has. Why it keeps inevitably leading to violence the way that it has, and why it's it's you know effectively the sort of cyclical self reinforcing project. Mm-hmm. But to actually understand what I'm talking about, we need to go back to the beginning of the Israeli occupation to understand what the occupation actually is. Because I'm not, I'm not actually sure. I don't know. This is something that like I, I, I feel like most of the people talking about this kind of just assume everyone knows. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we should not assume that. and We yeah. should you know actually go back and run through some of this history really quickly. Yeah. My cynical take is that most of the people talking about this maybe don't have the deepest understanding themselves and are like, therefore oh, yeah. skating along on that assumption <laughs> in, yeah. in order yep. not to have to expose their own shaky and, like, foundation. I, I feel like I've talked about it before on like every podcast I've done, but I feel like people like tune it out. You know what I mean? Like I feel yeah. like people don't actually absorb what I'm what any what what they hear because it's like oh this again yeah. or whatever the fuck they're thinking. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hammer I'm gonna hammer a copy of this into all of your brains. You have no choice. You must listen. <laughs> yeah, Martin Luthering the history of uh, Palestine. Yeah, yes. gonna nail ninety five mm-hmm. copies of the Geneva Convention mm-hmm. <laughs> onto the door. So in the beginning, there was the Nakba, which is the, the great disaster of the Palestinian people, in which the Israelis armed, I should mention, by Stalin, which is something that is incredibly inconvenient for everyone in the entire American political spectrum. And we will get back to who also, like, who specifically was doing the Nakba, yeah. because it's not exactly who anyone really expects or portrays them as, but. Yeah, a, b- a bunch a bunch of armed settlers armed by Stalin drive 700,000 Palestinians from their homes. They seize those homes, and they take them for themselves. Now, this is I I think okay, this this is this is the part where where disclaimer Mia is not a, is not a, a a professor of international law. I think this was actually technically not a legally a war crime because I only because the 4th Geneva Convention hadn't been ratified yet. Because the Nakba took pl- takes place in, in 1948, and this is a year before the Geneva Convention or the Fourth Geneva Convention, the part that has the stuff we're going to talk about, uh, was ratified. It's two years before it comes in, into force. But you know, from the beginning, what you have here is a settler colony. The Israelis have driven out the Palestinians who have been living there. They have seized their homes, and they have replaced them with Jewish settlers. And they've also massacred like fifteen. Yeah, they've yeah they've killed yeah. a shit ton of people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I should be more explicit about that. Like when I say yeah. drive out, like sometimes they were. It's just it's people fleeing. A lot of times mm-hmm. it's they're killed. Yeah, yeah. I think I, it's I, like they they flatten entire villages. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not just like oh they're empty houses now. It's like no, they actually destroyed everything, built new cities where there already were cities, renamed the cities. It's yeah. it was just I don't know. It's shameful. The reason people are leaving is because they've seen their neighbors and family members killed and their fields and houses burned, and they know that that's coming for them, right? They're they're not. Yeah. uh, I think this is, sorry, just one tangent is there are so many videos of like former IDF soldiers that were, it's not IDF (laughs) technically, but like former Mm -hmm. 
people that fought in the Nekba that like drove these people out of their homes. And it's so repulsive. There's literally like a, it was on an Israeli news channel or like some type of Israeli show where there's an old man like laughing about how him and his group raped a 16 year old girl and shot everyone in a row, all the babies, everything else. It's just like, and that's coming from them. So I think that's important to know. It's not just like us saying, oh my God, these terrible things happen. It's like, no, they actually admitted to it multiple times we're just telling you from you know what i mean i think it's important to to say that yeah and this is something we're going to get into more in a bit but what are the consequences of this and one of the consequences of of running a settler colony like this is that the, the the people that it produces who are the people who you know the people who are like murdering people and taking their homes right in order, the kind of person you have to be in order to do that is just absolutely terrifying. Just like, you know, I mean, this and this is why you see so much stuff both here and, you know, like back, like in 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 the early phases of uh, like not even the early phases, but like most of the phases of U.S. settler expansion. Right. You, you, you read the accounts of these people and it's like these people are all serial killers. To do that, I think you have to convince yourself that the people you are doing it to are less human or, or not yeah. human. Like that, that, it's fundamental to colonialism, right? To consider yourself to either be a higher form of humanity or d- like distinct, like in a species sense, from these people. Like British mm-hmm. people did that in their colonialism too. Uh, but yeah, you you see it all the time in, um, specifically in like the language and culture that depicts the settler colonization of the United States or what is now the United States, right? Like. Uh, you can look at the uh, like what it's called the the Indian Wars after the after the Civil War and see just all kinds of the most fucking horrific shit imaginable because uh, you're you're doing a genocide you're just doing it like piece by piece as you go across the country. Yeah, and this is one of these parts of American history that people don't understand, and when you learn it, there's this real sort of. Even in sort of radical accounts, and I understand why they do this, but there, there's a tendency to not – to sort of back away from exactly yeah. how violent this stuff was. And, you know, a lot of the reason for this is like it's – you know, it, 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 it can get into this sort of realm of like, I don't know, this almost weird like like tragedy horror porn stuff. But like it was mm-hmm. – it was as bad as anything that has ever happened Yes, to humans. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the people doing that stuff are you know driven by the same kinds of Mm -hmm. of stuff that's happening here. Fuck it, the people doing that stuff are still like uh like there's a a park named after them in San Diego. There's Kit Carson Park. There's Uniperosera Park. Like like it's baked into American culture still. Like the the genociders are, are fucking celebrated here. Yeah, and this is and this is this is also true of Israel. Now. Okay, so so after after the Nakba, there's there's a lot of people who think that like this is the end of the whole process, right? That like okay, so we've expelled these people, we've killed these people. There's now a Jewish state. It has like relatively stable borders or whatever. And this is going to be the end of it, and that that did not happen. And one of the reasons that didn't happen is the the 1967 Six Days War. Where Israel Israel launches what's called a preemptive strike on Egypt, it's okay. So they they this is the PR term that's been developed afterwards for it. Uh, the reality is that Egypt was not about to attack Israel. The Israelis just started a war 
like just straight up started a war and invaded Egypt. And the Six Day War winds up being a war between the Israelis and it, so it's mostly Egypt. They they end up fighting Egypt, Syria, Jordan a little bit. Um, and like technically the Saudis, like Iraq, Kuwait, and Lebanon are in the war, but like they don't do shit. Um, there's a story. I think it's actually from the '73 war, but there's a story of uh, there's there's there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of people and like there's a bunch of uh, Egyptian soldiers in in, in in a bunch of trenches and a bunch like the, the the like Saudi command rolls up and the Saudis roll up in fucking Rolls Royces and the, the Egyptian commanders looks at these guys and just says go home because people just like you know, and, and this this is one of those dynamics here of like oh god like the Arab powers. Outside of Egypt, for some of the time, really were not taking this very seriously. And, you know, and, and, and the consequence of this is that the, the, is the most of the most of the 67 war is I mean, the entirety of the 67 war is just the Israelis beating the absolute piss out of the Egyptians, um, in large part because the Egyptians weren't like actually trying to fight a war. So they were basically completely unprepared for getting invaded by Israel. Now, this is this war is a complete disaster for for the Arab powers. Um, like Gamal Abdel Nasser is so ashamed of his defeat that he resigns and doesn't like come back until a bunch of protests in Egypt like demand that he come back. <laughs> he did really royally kind of like his position was that we're like eventually they're going to attack us. We'll have a defensive position and and failed miserably at, at having yeah, that. It, it, it did not work. This 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 is yeah. a complete disaster. But and 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 the other you know the, the part of it that's that's most important for our story is that this is the period where the Israelis start seizing territory on mass. They take the entire Sinai Peninsula from Egypt. They take the Golan Heights from Syria, and most importantly for our purposes, they take both the West Bank and Gaza, which means they now mm-hmm. occupy all of Palestine. Now, immediately. Like effectively immediately as this is happening, 1.3 million Palestinians flee the West Bank and Gaza. And, you know, this this has a consequence of enormously expanding the already very, very large, like permanent refugee population of Palestinians in a bunch of other countries. And this is also where we come to the focus of today's episode, which is Israeli settlers. Uh, but uh, do you know who else shows up uninvited and is technically <laughs> illegal under uh, multiple <laughs> sections of international law? Is it Ronald Reagan? I yes. surprise Reagan. Yep. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. 
Majors presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. We are back. So one of the things that the Geneva Convention establishes is the set of legal obligations that occupiers have in occupy in over territory that they occupy. So if you know the way this is supposed to work under international law is that, you know, technically speaking, yeah, you can occupy territory, but you're not allowed to do whatever you want with that territory. You have to actually abide by a set of a set of like laws. And this was done to, you know, after World War II to protect, like, people in occupied territories from just the just unbelievable horrors that were unleashed by the Nazis in World War II. <laughs> now, one of the things that you cannot do if you are occupying a, a territory is you cannot expel civilians from their homes and replace them with your own civilians. Yeah. This is this is a war crime. You are it is under international law. You are not allowed to do this. Now, I've been talking a lot about international law. I, this, this is something where I kind of – I don't know if disagree is the right word. I have very little faith in international law. I know a lot of people who are – have been involved in this, you know, like in, in the struggle for liberating Palestine for a very, very long time, like take international law very seriously. Um, I don't know. Like I mean, Israel has, has – uh, not follow international law. For yeah, I, like existence and like they, nothing happens. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's where's really the international like police? Word. It's like there's no yeah. way to it. I don't believe yeah. what it's telling me because nothing yeah. ever happens. And it has maybe it has a moral value, right? I guess that's that's the idea behind some of the activism is that like it, it can help position something as being in the wrong, and then that might impel that someone to Israel. act. But yeah, yeah, it hasn't fucking worked. It didn't stop fucking. It didn't stop the Rohingya genocide in Myanmar. Yeah, it hasn't yeah. stopped the population exchange in Afrin. Like it, it's pretend. It doesn't exist unless someone it's enforces pretend. it. Yeah, yeah. But, like but, it know, doesn't. I know it's, it's. I feel like sometimes it's a totem for like Western liberals to be like, oh well, they they, they can't do that. They're, they're breaking international law. Oh fuck, they're doing it anyway. Like, well, yeah, it's like, it oh, that's bad really bad. Oops. Yeah, and then they Tusk. just keep doing it. So. Yeah, and like, uh, understandably, like no one particularly wants to like be the ones who enforce international law because that involves your children dying, uh, and so they just let other children die instead. Yeah, and. You know, but and the, the the consequence of this being really toothless is that, but you know, it, it, it's the language that this stuff is framed in, and I want to frame this like differently for a second, which is I want I want to think about what is being prohibited here in basic moral terms, because the the what the what this article of the Geneva Convention is supposed to stop is an army showing up, killing a bunch of people, and then 
settling their own population on top of those people's corpses. And that is fucking horrifying. There is, you know, obviously, yeah, there's a reason why the Geneva Convention was like, holy shit, like we can't have this. Yeah. And but, you know, obviously this hasn't stopped, you know, this this hasn't actually stopped this from happening. Like we 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 now live in effectively the new golden age of ethnic cleansing, right? I mean, the the one point two million Gazans who fled their homes after the Israelis told them to literally told them to flee or die, which is that that's yeah. by the way, and I don't want to be very clear about this when people talk about an evacuation order. That's what that is. Right. In, 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 you know, this isn't an evacuation order from like a tsunami. Right. Like, it's not like there's a natural disaster coming. The thing that is happening is the Israeli government has said, you must leave now or we are going to kill you. And, you know, and of course, the 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 other bleak side of this right is that with the the, the, the quote unquote evacuation order, the Israelis killed people who were fleeing anyways. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, and they had nowhere to fucking go. Like, they, yeah, they're, they're trapped. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Evacuate you know, does make it seem like a very like humanitarian crisis when really that that's all you're right. Yeah, it's the, yeah. All they're saying is like leave now or die in the next hours. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yeah. It's not evacuation. That's like threat. Like it's just a death threat. Essentially. Yeah. If I was to like stand outside your bedroom and pull the pin on a grenade and be like, I'm giving you an evacuation order. Oh, and I'm yeah. going to eat this grenade in here in five exactly. seconds. People wouldn't be like, oh, that's reasonable. Oh no, I've locked yeah, the start. doors to your house as well, yeah. <laughs> like just just for funsies. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and so, and so, I mean, this, this, this is, this is what's been happening in Gaza, right? You have 1.2 million Gazans who fled their homes and they've joined the 120,000 Armenians who were ethnically cleansed from Nagorno-Karabakh by Azerbaijan in September, which this is the era we are living in right now is an unfathomable era of violence and, and ethnic cleansing, right? Like none of, none of the international legal frameworks like did shit. None, mm-hmm. none of none of the sort of you know like the none of the never again stuff like no nah, you can you can you can literally like you can ethnically cleanse the Armenians again and nothing will fucking happen. Yeah. Um, or the Rohingya you know, in Myanmar, we didn't do shit. Yeah. Or I mean, like right right people. now, we are we are averaging one one like mass scale ethnic cleansing a month. Mm-hmm. Jesus, and that yeah. is a fucking unbelievably bleak thing. And it's um, only done to to populations that are systematically like dehumanized you know what i mean like that's the thing that's like oh people are used to seeing this group of people suffer they're used to seeing these kinds this Mm -hmm. kind of population just always die and and be i don't know uh bombed and stuff so i think a lot of people just kind of gloss over it because they're they're just like oh this is what happens to them and yeah it just keeps happening yeah it's uh it's certainly like not a coincidence that like we there have been other ethnic cleansings right in Africa, like I said, the Rohingya Muslims, but like when it happens in, in the Middle East or, or the Arab world or where we want to say it, like it's not Arab world, I guess, because it happens to Kurdish people too. Um, but like, yeah, people are like, oh, well, another sad thing has happened like over there. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's very easy, especially with the way American news media only focuses on these parts of the world. Like they just pointed it and like, oh, look, sad. And then never give the context, like Mia was explaining, and never give the background. And then we're blindsided every two years by a fucking genocide or an ethnic cleansing or, or a mass murder yeah. because we don't report on it. And then it pops up again. And no one understands. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm very bleak on the media at the minute. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I think, you know, the, the important context to understand here is that the absolute horror show that's happening in Gaza right now that the Israelis are doing, this is one of the most extreme forms of it they've ever done. But this is something they've been doing from like the fucking moment they took the West Bank. Yeah. This is this is what they were doing. Um 
And again, yeah. this the is one never ended, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kept yeah. going. It was like quiet mostly for a while. People ignored it, but now it's just really loud and it keeps happening. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, I th- I think the the oh god, what am I blanking on the like continuous Nakba thing is 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 the way that it's understood. Well, is yeah. is, is the is is what it's called in Palestine. Um, in in sort of settler colonial studies, the 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 line that people always say is that settler colonialism is a structure, not an event. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not a thing that just ends, right? It just yeah. is. It it is it is, it is the, the you know it is the air that you breathe. It's the sort of you know like it's 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 the walls of the society that have been built to the yeah cage and destroy people. Yeah. Now, you know, the the Israelis. <laughs> Again, this is the thing that when 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 67 happens, this is actually it's kind of a turning point in the sense that, like, there are groups of liberals who had supported the Israelis in 48 who were like, whoa, hold on, hold on. Like, this is actually like really stunningly illegal. And this doesn't do anything. But there's a lot of people who who make who make a distinction between Israel in 48 and, and this Israel, because this Israel yeah. Like the mask is off. There's nothing. There's nothing there anymore, right? It's just we have we have seized this land by military force by attacking a country who we were not at war with, and we are now like systematically replacing the population of these places with our population. Um, and the consequence of this, the the the, the this this is Israel settler population. The consequence of this is that there's now it, it's hard to get accurate numbers because these people. <laughs> in theory, aren't supposed to be there. But there's something like 500, somewhere between 450 and 500,000 Israeli settlers in the West Bank and another like 200,000 in East Jerusalem. And this means that the settler population, in if you count both the, the West Bank and East Jerusalem, this is about 7% of the total population of Israel that that are now these settlers. Um, And these settlers are... I don't know. This is this is like I guess what you would call Israel's colonial frontier in the sense that yeah. like these are the people who were like on the absolute front lines of of Palestinian dispossession yeah. of like killing people and taking their stuff. Um settlers is almost and, a misnomer because they're not like uh it's not like sometimes I think that constructs a notion of like unsettled territory and they're settling yeah. on it, right? These people are violently colonizing someone else's land. Yeah, which 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 was also true of, of the American like Yes, yeah, very much you know, so. Yeah, we shouldn't right? use that like, here. Yeah, we should yeah, use that shit yeah. here. Or pioneers, they pioneer shit. People live there for tens of thousands of years. No, they were, they were pioneers, yeah. But like the way that the state thinks about its own geography is is mm-hmm. in the terms of these frontiers. Sometimes yes. they call them buffer areas. And yeah. they, they, they think about these things as, as these, these areas where they need, you know, of, of projection of military control, the projection of sort of their, their power mm-hmm. and also sort of settler power. And these kinds of... You know, and th- this is this is this is what what the sort of settler populations of the West Bank are the front mm-hmm. line of. Now, yeah. these people are subsidized by the Israeli government. That if you, if you, if you go to these places, you get tax breaks. Um, you get you know there 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 there's 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 a sort of there's a whole variety of sort of government subsidies for these people. Um, they also get very and th- this is this is a thing that I think is really interesting that isn't discussed very much. The Israeli like social services in the West Bank are very, very good. In some cases, they're they're better than the stuff that's in like Jerusalem or in like the other the other parts mm. of Israel. And you know, all this and this acts as sort of as as part of the sort of incentive package to get people to move into these settler regions. Yeah. Now, and you know, the the these these people reap other benefits too, right? They have enormous 
an enormous degree of military protection. And this is one of the things that, Shereen, you talked about mm-hmm. this, right? If you, you know, if, if, if you're trying to figure out where the fuck was the Israeli army when Hamas attacked, well, the answer is they were all in the fucking West Bank helping a bunch of settlers steal land, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which you know, protecting gets settlers you... terrorizing Palestinians. Yeah, like that was yeah. What was happening, and that happens all the time. But it just so yep. happened to happen on this very large scale attack. Yep. Yeah. And the level of violence that's happening here, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about the more direct settler violence. Like these are these people. They these are people who have set multiple babies on fire. Like that is like they 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 have set multiple children on fire. This this is this is the kind of people who you were dealing with when you're talking about, especially. So okay, so there, there there's there's a distinction inside of Israeli law about which of these settlements are legal. So again, under international law, all of these settlements are illegal. Like there's no this is not a black. It's a completely black and white thing. Every single settlement is illegal. Under Israeli law, there are some settlements that they officially approve, and some of them that they don't. And so the, the the ones that they do approve are the ones that, you know, they, they those are the ones with better government services. They get roads mm-hmm. built out to them. And and th- but there, there there are kinds of violence here that are, you know, there's there's I guess you call it bureaucratic violence or stuff like, you know, one, one of the sort of like benefits you get of, of living in the West Bank is like the Israeli government has diverted basically the entire West Bank's fucking water supply to fill these people's swimming pools. And this is water that is, you know, the the thing that had been used for for a very, very long time is people in the West Bank doing agriculture. But, you know, that's becoming you know, growing olives and it's becoming increasingly fucking impossible because the Israelis are, are diverting their fucking water and then also lighting. And then, the, you know, the, 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 the government diverts all the water away and then the settlers light the fucking olive trees on fire. And this is actually and this is weirdly a thing that like almost exactly the same pattern is stuff that like Turkey has done to the Kurds, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, you know, like basically every every ethnic minority, like yeah, in, Russia in, does it to its Kalmyk people. Yep. Like it's the story I hear so often at the border when talking to people in any number of languages from any number of countries is like, oh, they have cut off the water supply to where we live, and now we can't live there anymore. Like uh, across Africa, sadly, like yeah, even within yeah. Russia, like it, it's it's like uh yeah like you say it's genocide by diktat or fucking you know it, it's it, it's an ethnic cleansing that doesn't look so bad on tv because it happens a little bit slower mm-hmm. um but it's a way to remove people and you can look at like drone pictures of the west bank uh and you can see these little fucking like green lollipops uh, like the, the road and then the settlement right and like people have trees and shit and like it, it's it's wild yeah i think the unique part about uh, Israel and the settlers there burning all the olive trees. I feel like I did an episode about this before. I don't know if it was this did. podcast. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the whole essence of Zionism is the idea that there's a group of people that are like meant for this land. And I just find the olive tree burning the best example of how that's just like such bullshit. Because if you actually cared about this ancient land, if you had ties to this ancient land, you wouldn't want to burn this like native plant that's been there for thousands of years that's been the source of all the economy for palestinians all this stuff i think it's just the most clear example that zionism is not about uh any kind of connection at all it's just about power and land and not about the not land in the sense of like the architecture or the history or the nature it's just about i don't know like a land grab like just colonial land grab yeah well and and i I think i I think the fundamental 
thing at play here, and, th- and this is this is the sort of one of the, the, the fundamental tenets of settler colonialism is that these people see land as a commodity, right? They yeah. see they, yeah. they, they 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 see they 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 only see land in terms of things they can buy and sell and things they can possess. Yeah. It's a fundamental tenet of the state, really, right? Like the more like square miles you can bring under your like where you have a monopoly on legitimate use of violence, like the the, the more important you are as a state. And so yeah. like this, this is a problem of, of states. Yeah, and we we will we will get into this more in a second, but first we need to go to ads. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. So the Israeli settlers are a real problem for everyone who supports Israel um, because it it is it is really really hard to be sort of you know take take your sort of like liberal humanitarian stance on like Israel has the right to protect itself blah 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 <laughs> and then here are these like yahoos in the hills lighting children on fire and you know i mean and th- this is the thing where even even like very reliably pro-israel groups like the council on foreign relations are like whoa nelly these guys are <laughs> messed up and i mean and yeah. you, you can find writing for them and they've been writing about this for a long time because this is all stuff that's been it's been very very obvious of what was going to happen mm-hmm. right like the the you know the level of violence is going to ramp up and like all this stuff n- none of the stuff that's happening now i mean like it's. I, mean, I guess this is one of those things. Is like everything is impossible until it happens or whatever. But mm-hmm. you know, all of, all of the stuff that's happening is. I mean, like if you just spend any time looking at what was happening in the two thousand two thousand tens, nothing that's happening now is like particularly surprising. 
Now, mm-hmm. what, what, what's very interesting about the settlers, though, is that, okay, so when, when the Council of Formulations, the Council of Formulations went in and was like, okay, so what is with these people, right? They assumed initially that, you know, okay, so, the, you know, they're, they're taking a sort of liberal, like, pro-Israelian, so they're like, okay, well, these, these settlers must be responding to Palestinian violence. And no, it turns out, mm-hmm. actually, not only are these, are these attacks not like retaliatory right it's 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 not that like these settler communities were being attacked by palestinians and they were attacking back settler violence is actually inversely correlated with with the level of armed struggle being carried out by palestinians so the 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 era of settler violence ramp up is the late 2000s and the 2010s and this is the period you know if, if you know anything about like the the second intifada this is the period where like palestinians doing armed struggle in like all of the different forms is tapering off. And so, and this leaves people kind of confused as to what the fuck is happening here. Um, and, and so, okay, so we, we can ask like, what is actually driving the, the violence of these sort of settler expansions? And the pe- the thing most people focus on is, is ideology and to some extent religion, because a, a huge number, although it, it should be mentioned. Okay. So like a lot of settlers are, what are, what are like what are religious Zionists, who are people, a lot of these are, there, there's like a specific religious Zionist party that we'll talk about a bit later, um, who are like specifically Orthodox Jews, but like there's a lot of right-wing religious, like Zionists of like various stripes who, you know, and, and their their thing is that they believe that they have a God-given right to take whatever land they want in what they call, quote, Judea and Samaria, which is the West Bank, and they believe that they just have the right to take this land. Yeah. And if anyone tries to stop them, they will kill them or drive yeah. them from their homes. And it's true that these people exist, right? And these people obviously, and we're going to get into this more in a second, like mm-hmm. these people have had a profound influence on Israeli politics. Yeah. But on the other hand, they're not, they are a lot of the settlers. They're not the entire settler population. In fact, there's a lot of settlers who are not these people. And the the other thing about trying to purely explain the dynamics of violence by, by ideologies, it can't explain why really. I mean, there, there's a kind of, like a breakwater event where so so there used to be settlers in Gaza too um and the Israelis pulled them out when they pulled out of Gaza in 2005 and that pissed off the settlers enormously right and, and th- this is part of one of the things that like leads to the sort of settler violent turn was they were like well okay so if the Israeli government isn't going to like I know if the Israeli government one time will stop illegal settlements from happening uh we need to like make sure that we are violent enough that it will ne- that they'll, they'll never try to get rid of another settlement, settlement again. And, and that kind of explains the violence uptick, but it doesn't explain all of it. Um, Actually, so, so sorry, before, before I launch into this, I should ask you, what, what were you going to say? Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. I just wanted to make a really important distinction that like Zionism is not a religion per se. It is a political ideology, right? Yeah. Like you can be Christian and Zionist, you can be Jewish and Zionist. Um, I've had multiple anti-Zionist Jew- Jewish people on the show, and I feel like they're very important in the fight for Palestinian liberation. But I think that's a really important distinction because Zionism is fairly new. It's not like this ancient religion. It, it was like the late eight, uh, yeah, the late eighteen hundreds is when it really like became uh, formed into what it is today. So I think that's really important to remember is that. Uh, Zionism itself is not this like deep spiritual thing that a lot of Zionists claim it is. It is just fucking politics and just yeah. bad politics. 
and, and I think the other important thing about it too, and this is something that has been changing, but like Zionism, most Zionists, like when Israel was formed, were secular. Like they were, they were secularists, yeah. right? The law, a lot of these people were leftists. They were secularists. They weren't. And the, the emergence of this religious Zionism stuff, this is like, this is stuff that started happening really in like the 80s. So this is like 40 years old, right? Like billions of people on earth are older than this kind of religious Zionism. Yeah. And so the kind of transition from more secular forms of Zionism to more religious forms of Zionism is it, this is one of the things or like like the, the the claim that this is the driving thing like this is this is what you'll get a lot from like council of formulations people and sort of like and it's kind of true to some extent but comma there's also something else going on here and that is the israeli housing market so all right i i, I swear i swear this is connected but we, we need we need to do a tangent through the israeli housing market so all right so I, I, we, we've, we've talked about how, again, the, 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 the rise in settler violence is something that it's, it, it starts in the late 2000s and accelerates to the 2010s and has reached a fever pitch now with like in the past like month, they've killed like 130 people in the West Bank. And OK, so what, what, what actually also was happening in that time and. The answer to that question is that between 2008 and 2010 alone, and this is very weird because, again, think, think, think about the time period that we're in. This is 2008 to 2010. This is like right after the 2008 financial collapse. There is a 35% increase in housing prices in Israel. This is nuts, right? Like this like everywhere else in the entire world, the, like the, the, the price of housing is tanking. In Israel, it is skyrocketing. Okay, the, the, the price of housing is increasing. The rate at which the price of housing is also increasing. It's skyrocketing through the entire 2010s. And then, like, the rate of increase in the 2010s looks like a fucking joke compared to the rate of increase in the 2020s. And these increases coincide with, guess what, the massive increases in settler violence. Now, this is interesting for a number of reasons. One is that, you know, and so, sometimes every once in a while you will get like someone will just like, I don't know, some like Council of Formulations guy will say like, well, there are settlers who are there for economic reasons. But what actually does that mean right now? I've been playing kind of fast and loose with statistics here, right? Like, obviously, you can't just point to. Okay, one number was increasing at the same time as another number. Correlation implies causation. Like, no, it doesn't. Right? That this this is too loose, and the correlation here isn't. You know, it's it's not quite that simple. But, comma, this is legitimately one of the things that's been driving, uh, driving Israeli settler violence and sort of the the expansion of this sort of of this sort of Israeli settler project, and at the core of this is this fundamental tension with housing in capitalism in which a house and also very importantly the land that it's on is two things at the same time right the how a house is a thing that you live in but it's also a speculative asset that appreciates in value over time or is supposed to appreciate in value over time and when and when you know housing values don't go up homeowners get very 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 angry because it's also supposed to be a speculative asset now, the, the, the sort of technical terminology for this is that a house has a use value, which is, you know, it's a house that you live in, right? But it also has an exchange value, which is this, this value on the market that's a product of the sort of social relations that form the economic system. 
And with housing, all commodities work like this. With housing in particular, the 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 two sort of natures of this commodity work against each other, right? If if you want a house, and you want a house because you want to live in it, you want you know you want the price to be as low as possible, right? You 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 want for houses to be speculative assets like as little as humanly possible. But on the other hand, if you want a house because you are you know say a real estate firm or a land speculator or you know you're just you're buying a house as like an investment you want the price to be as high as possible because it doesn't matter to you if people actually use the house, live in it all. All that matters is that you're getting money from this house. And, you know, it's something I've talked about a lot on this show. And since really the 90s when Japan figured this out, housing has been like the speculative asset par excellence. It's the thing you dump all of your money into when you have a bunch of money sitting around that you can't turn into more capital. And, you know... This, but the, the problem is that this creates these massive like housing bubbles that makes like housing and rents increasingly unaffordable for everyone. Now, you could address this by you know addressing a dual nature of the commodity and transforming your economy in such a way that houses are not commodities and thus you know is a use value and is a place to live and not you know like a financial asset. But nobody's going to do that, right? Because that that requires like a systemic transformation of your. Like this requires you to yeah. abolish capitalism, yeah. right? So yeah. instead of doing this, right, the the other thing you can do when housing prices are really high is you can go kill someone and take their land. Yeah, and yeah, you know, and you know, I mean, this is this is a, a, a very old American sort of colonial. I don't even. Yeah, I think this is where it's from. But like, yeah, the the every empire you know, the, does the, this, so right, like. Working people yeah. can't afford to live with dignity, so we fucking ship them off so they strip someone else's dignity and make their fortune on someone else's land. Yeah, yeah, because the 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 cheapest land is land that's paid with someone else's blood. Yeah. Now I'm I'm gonna read from a little bit from a very very I I I really recommend people actually read this because it's a really interesting view of mm-hmm. of the occupation. I'm gonna I'm gonna read from a piece called Hostile Intelligence: Reflections on a Visit to the West Bank, written by David Graeber. This this is from 2015, mm-hmm. but you know, and this, but this is one of the things about about the occupation is that if you're at any given point in time, if you are looking at what's happening in the occupation, you can unfold the dynamics that are going to be that are that are going to be the future of the occupation. So here's David Graeber. First, the settlements. They were originally the product of a relatively isolated, if well-funded, collection of religious zealots. Now everything seems to be organized around them. The government pours in endless resources. Why? The answer seems to be that since at least the 90s, right-wing politicians in Israel have figured out that the settlements are a kind of political magic. The more money gets funneled into them, the more the Jewish electorate turns to the right. The reason is simple. Israel is expensive. Housing inside the 1948 boundaries is exorbitantly expensive. If you are a young person without means, you increasingly have two options. To live with one's parents until well into your 30s, or find a place in an illegal settlement where apartments cost perhaps a third of what they would in Haifa or Tel Aviv. And that's not to mention the superior roads, schools, utilities, and social services. At this point, the vast majority of settlers live on the West Bank for economic, not ideological reasons. And this is something that, like, this is actually kind of reversing now just because of how, like, how far right and how the spread of, like, sort of, like, ideological, like, right-wing stuff has spread. But this is, at the time, in 2015, this was true. 
Yeah, and this is especially true around Jerusalem. But consider who these people are. In the past, young people in difficult circumstances, students, well-educated young parents, have been the traditional constituency of the left. Put these same people in a settlement, and they will, inexorably, without even realizing it, begin, begin to think like fascists. Settlements are, in their own way, giant engines for the production of right-wing consciousness. It is very difficult for someone placed in a hostile territory, given training in automatic weapons, and warned constantly to be on one's guard against local populations, seething over the fact that your next-door neighbors have been killing their sheep and destroying their olive trees, not to gradually see ethno-nationalism as common sense. As a result, with every election, the old left electorate dis further dissipates, and a host of religious, fascist, or semi-fascist parties win a larger and larger stake in the vote. For politicians, who can barely think past the next election. The lure is inescapable. And so I, I, th I think this gets at like the core of what's happening, what, what specifically what's happening in the West Bank, which is that, yeah, these settlements are... You know, I mean, if, 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 if you were trying to generate in a lab a place where you could turn a bunch of people into fascists, it would be it would be these settlements. And for more on that, come back tomorrow when we finish this conversation. In the meantime, this has been Nick Adapted here. Thanks for joining us. See you tomorrow. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.